a blessing to be here. And again, thank you for the invitation and thank you for the comfortable accommodations and for the goodie basket. Oh, I like goodie baskets. There's all kinds of good stuff in them. No fruit. Amen. <laughs> People say, we left you a fruit basket. I go, well, okay. Goodie basket. Oh my, I get excited. Amen. And uh, walk around money. That's always nice as well. And, and uh, you know, whenever I come here, I, I feel right at home. This is, you know, when we're on Capitol Hill, you have to kind of <clears throat> be on guard because you never know what's going to happen. But uh, even though it's a very venomous place, it's an honor to serve there and to hold up the hands of those people that are trying to hold the line, as we said in Sunday school, for our life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, here's the thing. We are unique in the world. And the reason why we're unique is not because we're better. It's because our founding fathers said there is a God, and God gives us certain unalienable rights. And those inseparable, unalienable rights, all of them are under attack today. The, uh, the life of the unborn. And next, of course, it'll go to the euthanasia. That's a very real thing they're discussing now. A euthanasia. And I take exception to that because of the color of my, you know. And, uh, and then from there, of course, the liberty. And uh, I mean, hey, whether you take a vaccine or not, it's your decision. It should never be mandated by the government nor anything else along those lines. And of course, you've seen all of the different wokeism uh, in the FBI, uh, in the Justice Department. I mean, these things are things that I never dreamt would happen, but they are happening. And so it falls to us to understand some things, our position and how we should pray. And of course, the benefit of having men of God to go to for counsel. And I want to talk about those three things today as they pertain to a very unique individual by the name of Hezekiah in 2 Kings 18. And so if you would, please go with me there to 2 Kings 18. And I have heard, you know, there's so many companies trying to stay afloat and to avoid bankruptcy and mergers between countries and and companies, I mean, and within countries and companies, some future mergers I just thought about. I want to kind of float a few of them off of you today, see what you think. Here's one, the Hale Business Systems, Mary Kay Cosmetics, Fuller Brush, and W.R. Grace Company might merge together to become Hail Mary, Fuller Grace. What do you think about that one? I think it's kind of catchy. Um, maybe someone else used it already. I don't know. A Polygram Records, Warner Brothers, and Nabisco Crackers may join to become Poly Warner Cracker. Come on, work with me here, will you? Are you still a little asleep? Zippo, Audi Motors, DeFasco, and Dakota Mining Company may merge to become Zip Audi Doodah. I like that one. has a little, you know, ump to it. And then lastly, FedEx may just go ahead and merge with its competitor, UPS, to become fed up. And I know many of us are fed up today. <laughs> Amen. So uh, what can we do? What can we do? People ask me all the time, what can we do, Brother Harding? And what I say is, let's go to God's Word. Let's understand. History is so important. I know your pastor, Brother DeMichael, is a student of history. I know many of you are students of history, his story. Uh, there's a problem, though. There's one thing that we learn from history, and that is we don't learn from history. 
And if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat the mistakes that someone has already made. And you know what that's called? Stupid. <laughs> yes. You say, what are you talking about, Brother Hardy? Well, I, I truly believe this. I, I believe our, our country was, uh, was formed by geniuses as being run by idiots right now. You know, someone opened up a big bag of stupid. Okay, and you can't, you can't cure stupid, but you can vote it out. Uh, so we need to be praying for and going towards the next uh, election. And uh, that's very, very important to understand. Uh, but uh, when we look at God's Word in 2 Kings 18, uh, Hezekiah has basically been put in a position, and for reasons that we will go into. And then, of course, not only his position, but it's very important to understand his preacher and the role that his preacher, the man of God, played. And then also the most important thing I think that we can glean from this is his prayer and how he prayed. And so I want to go through those three things today with you. And, and so if you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word just for a minute. And uh, 2 Kings 18, 2 Kings 18 and verse 1, it says this, Now it came to pass in the third year of Hushia, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, the king of Judah, began to reign. So this is the split kingdoms, okay? This time where the kingdoms was split between two, and you know that story. And then it says, 20 and five years old was he when he began to reign. And he reigned 20 and nine years, almost 30 years, in Jerusalem. His mother's name was also was uh, Abai, the daughter of Zechariah. Look at this. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David, his father, did. He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it and he called it Neshetan. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. So even though Hezekiah didn't have the best of endings, right here we can glean from him because God says out of all the kings of Judah, he was head and shoulders above them all. You see, that is what God is giving to us right there. Why? Verse 6, for he clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him and prospered whithersoever he went forth. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. He smote the Philistines even unto Gaza and the borders thereof from the tower of the watchmen to the fenced city. And it came to pass... In the fourth year of the king of, of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hushia, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalemazar, the king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. So three things this morning. Hezekiah's position, his preacher, and his prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again for loving us. I thank you for each and every dear person that's here today. Oh God, we ask you once again that you would enter into this service. We implore you, Lord, to allow through and by your holy unction, your blessed and holy ghost to be amongst us, that his presence once again would move through our minds and our hearts, that as I step back and surrender everything that I am, that once again 
You would truly articulate my speech, clarify and direct my thoughts, but most of all, indwell me with your Holy Spirit. Lead and guide us into all truth. Show us those things to come. Encourage us. Help us to understand that you are on the throne of eternity. Nothing ever takes you by surprise, but you have a part for each and every one of us to play in the meta-narrative, in that big story, which is thy will. Father, we ask, dear God, do a miracle for us today here in thy presence. And we'll be very careful once again just to give you the honor and glory for we ask it in the precious name and by the authority that's in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. So Hezekiah, a young man, taking the reins of an empire. He was a godly young man. We witness at his beginning in verse 3, we note that he did that which was right. You know, it's very simple to live a Christian life. You just do that which is right. Simple, isn't it? I mean, you go into an area and you just do what's right and God continues to move you into bigger and bigger areas. And the more you are responsible to God and what he has you to do, the greater service areas he gives you. And so it's so wonderful to understand that as this man did what was right, a revival occurred under his reign. Why? Because he took away the idols. A big problem in America is we have too many idols. A lot of times people say, well, we don't have any idols made of stone or, or, or wood. No, but we have a bunch of idols. I believe American football is one of them. And now let me just say this. There's nothing wrong with football. There's nothing wrong with baseball or America's favorite pastime or anything else along the line of sports. But if you put it above God, anything you put above God becomes an idol. And behind every idol is a demon. You understand that? I mean... We see here that he not only removed the high places and cut down the groves in verse uh, 4, but he also crushed and break the serpent that Moses had made in the wilderness wanderings when the fiery serpents were coming in and biting the people. God said, hey, fashion a brazen serpent, put him up in a pole. We sing that old song, look and live. And if they had faith to look at the serpent, as the serpent they would live. They would be sustained from the bite of the fiery serpents. What I'm saying is, in this day, they took it and they were burning incense to it. So anything, even good things, can be put above God and become an idol. Be very careful. Always keep things where they belong. Don't ever allow football to take the place of going to church. There's too many times I see as I wander through our country Week after week, I, I see people on Sundays and they have their kids going to some sports game. I said, that's not going to help them in life. That's not going to help them where it counts. And that's a problem with America. Too many times we see sports replacing God. Sometimes people replace God with the government, Washington, D.C. And uh, boy, they're going to give us free stuff. But that's always a bad deal because if they give you free stuff, then they want you to give them freedom. Amen? And that's never a good choice. So we need to keep government small and understand that's the purpose of government. When Hezekiah rebelled against the idols of the land and destroyed them, he also rebelled against the tyranny that was going on, a tyrannic despotic rulers, unrestrained by law, unconstitutional, biblical. That's one thing that our people in Washington, D.C. fight every day. 
especially if they're born-again Christians. And I'm very thankful for people just like the representative here, Russ Fulcher, that stands up. First time I ever met U.S. Congressman Russ Fulcher was in a meeting, and it was a luncheon, and he said this. He said, you understand, this is far beyond the political. This is a spiritual warfare. I appreciated that right off the bat. And he was introduced as the only one, at least at that time, I think he may still be the only one that has the American flag and the Christian flag outside of his office. See, we have no idea what persecution is. Those people in Washington, D.C. get slammed each and every day, and that's why they need us to understand that government has a right place in our country. We need to pray for our government. Tyranny is what our founding fathers rebelled against when these men that were moved by God to sign a document called the Declaration of Independence. And a lot of times people say, well, yeah, Thomas Jefferson wrote it. He really didn't write it. He compiled it. The Declaration of Independence simply was a compilation of messages preached from the sacred desk decades leading up to our independence from Great Britain. Thomas Jefferson just compiled it. He did it very eloquently. He did it very bravely, but he compiled it. And may I just say, how many times do you think in history a group of 56, by comparatively speaking, multi-billionaires signed a document that would put them in the limelight, so to speak, as traitors to two-thirds of our population and was willing, were willing to sign it to put their wealth, their safety, and even the safety of their family on the line. You know why? Because they had honor to God. And you know how many times that happened in history? Once. Right here. Well, may I tell you the spirit of that type of tenacity is still alive and well on Capitol Hill, despite what the news media will have you know among people like the Freedom Caucus uh, that uh, not only stand for truth, but they also walk around, as I told the men last night at the prayer meeting, around the outside of the Capitol in all types of weather and pray for our country. The news media won't tell you that, will they? And so what we have to understand is God's men and God's people have not been vigilant We've ignored and turned our back on government. Our founding fathers said, never turn your back on the beast because it'll slip its chain and it'll start eating its own. What is the chain? The chain is the Constitution of the United States. That's the chain that kept the beast down. And because we stopped reading it and actually we allowed it to, to be stopped as far as educating our young people in our public schools along, of course, with prayer taken out in the Ten Commandments, and, oh, they didn't teach the Constitution of the United States. And because of that, the beast slipped its moorings, its, its chains. The Constitution started eating its own. Sixty-plus million of our citizens now have been murdered because of abortion, even though Roe v. Wade has been overturned, and I'm thrilled about that. The fight is long from over. Getting back to Hezekiah, we realize that it's so very important for us to understand why socialism, why communism, why wokeism, and the critical race theory and all the rest of this nonsense is so wrong. And the reason why it's wrong is because it takes God out. Yeah. 
That's why it's wrong. Our young people are being taught socialism is a good thing. Socialism is just communism with lipstick. That's all it is. One step away from it. And we have people literally that are Marxists that are in Washington, D.C. I was going to Woody Williams's. Uh, well, it wasn't his funeral, but it was memorial service where he laid in state in the U.S. Capitol, and I was walking next to an officer in the Navy, <clears throat> a pastor and his family, and there was a guy walking down the street, really disheveled looking, no tie, uh, carrying this, this, uh, this bag. I said, oh, there, it looks like a homeless person, but it also looks like Bernie Sanders. And he spoke, and it was Bernie Sanders. I'm thinking, that's a United States senator? Come on, you know, where's the decorum here? But what I'm saying is socialism, communism, Marxism, statism, totalitarianism is all how it ends up, and it begins with a war against God. If you don't love America, hear me. You don't love God. That's it. That's the problem. We need people that are lovers of God. If they love God, they're going to love this country. They're going to love what at least this country was founded upon, the tenets of this nation. So at the time that we see the loss of, the, of uh, so many things in our nation and in our culture, we need to understand some things. When this man by the name of Hezekiah established a nation and a government that would once again praise and honor God, the devil didn't like it. He was surrounded by 185,000 Assyrians. And these were the terrorists of the day. You understand, modern-day Syria is still very much a terrorist nation. Isn't it interesting? Some things just don't change. And so they surrounded him, and, and uh, basically what they were doing, they were, they were lying to him. There's even fake news here in the Bible. You want to see it? It's right here in chapter 18, verse 25, where Rapshaki, the mouthpiece of Sennacherib, tells Hezekiah and the men on the, on the wall, Am I now come up without the Lord, and that means Jehovah all capitalized there, against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. Liar. God never told him to do that. The devil told him to do that. There's fake news right there. We need to understand it's been around for a long time and we cannot allow it to pollute our mind and our heart or start going, getting us going in the wrong direction in our country. And we have to realize when you set up government as a beast, it quickly goes from Romans 13, which is what a government should be, to Revelation 13, which is a beast. Look with me to Romans 13. Hold your hand there. Look over to Romans 13. Let me show you something that I think is very important for us to understand. In Romans chapter 13, it talks about a godly government and how we as God's people uh, should respond to it. It says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Verse 2, whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Do you know that uh, Barack Obama uh, bought a house uh, there in Washington, D.C. and started a resistance movement? See what it says there? It's very dangerous to resist 
the powers that be. And he's not resisting this administration. He's resisting the Constitution of the United States that's based upon the Bible. Do you hear me today? That's where we are. And what we have to understand is when we look at men like this, hey, I hope he gets saved. But God says, if you cannot bow down to the powers that be, and I'm talking about the Constitution of the United States, how are you going to bow down to powers you can't even see, such as God himself? And so we need to realize that when Hezekiah started to once again bring God back into it, I sure did like what uh, the uh, gubernatorial candidate for Arizona said. She said, we need, to get, we need to get God back into this. And that's so true. We need to get God back into our country. Because the very first thing that the human rebellion against God begins with is the impulse to separate culture from God and his commandments. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. A misrepresentation of the separation of church and state. You understand, 20, 20 years ago when I started these ministries, I was told by our brethren, oh, Brother Hardy, what are you doing? Don't you understand? It's, it's not right to, uh, for a Christian to be involved in government. I said, really? Where do you find that from? I mean, I'm talking about preachers telling me this. I'm, I'm talking about sending out 200 letters, getting one letter back when I first started 20 years ago. Oh, well, we, you know, separation of church and state. I said, where's that at? Oh, it's in the Constitution. I pull out the Constitution. Show me where it is. <laughs> they go, well... Kind of, to, kind of put them back on their heels a little bit. Like when we go soul winning and someone says something off the wall about the Lord and we give them our New Testament and say, show me where that is. And they go through, well, I know it's in here somewhere. And you tell them nicely but firmly, no, it's not in there. But here is what is in there. And I told our brethren, I want to be kind and, and I'm supposed to and, and always have held up the pastor and helped the pastor. Pastors need to know 20 years ago that they had a responsibility biblically to our country. And I said, what it says is Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That means the, lost, the, the, the largest and the most important law-giving body in the land should never make any laws respecting the church. That means the state stays out of the church. It never means the people of the church stay out of the state. Now, we, do, we don't want a state-run church nor a church-run state, but the people of God need to be in government. If we're not there, the light and the salt isn't there. And you understand, 40 plus years ago, we ran up the white flag, as your pastor just finished saying, and resurrendered the public square to the heathen. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The Holy Spirit of God is the author of liberty. If the Holy Spirit of God is the author of liberty, how can we turn that liberty over to the carnal mind, the natural man, who receives not the things of the Spirit of God? They're foolishness unto him. Neither can they know them. They're blinded to it. And so we just walked away. No one beat us out. We walked away. I'm so thankful that there are Christians getting back into government now and holding the line, once again, as we talked about in Sunday school, and holding up this Constitution and, and looking at the statutes that our nation was based upon, that's exactly what Hezekiah did in his day. He went back to 
biblical principles of governing, and he established a nation that was just amazing in its, in its governmental processes to God. And so what he did was, and you see it so many times in history, Nazi Germany, China, Russia, sad examples of God being separated from government. That's why the heathen rage. That's why the people imagine a vain thing. 1 John 4, 2 and 3. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every, listen now, spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh it is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come and even now Already is it in the world. The spirit of the Antichrist is here. It's in Washington, D.C. It's roaming the halls. And it's very venomous. But we need people to be there that are also bringing the light and the salt. Thank God for that very small remnant that are there. And our part is to pray for them. You want to know who the Freedom Caucus members are? They're listed on our website, missiontoamerica.us. Why don't you go there and get their names and start praying for them, holding up their hands. One of the members of the Freedom Caucus is here today, Russ Fulcher, a born-again believer that I'm, I am glad to call my friend and brother on Capitol Hill. I'm, I am so proud that he's there holding up what he should be, the Constitution and the Bible even above the Constitution. We have to realize Hezekiah, when he rebelled against tyranny, as our founding fathers did, hey, they got surrounded, but they didn't lose hope. So many times when we look at things and we understand that by doing this, Hezekiah reestablished a government that exalted God, re retaliated against the Assyrians, and then, of course, they came. And his position was, get this now, his position was he was surrounded. That's sometimes how we feel. Don't we feel like we're surrounded? Now, follow me. What did he do when he got the bad news? I want you to hear this and I want you to see this because it goes to his position as well. Look at chapter 19 in 2 Kings and see what Hezekiah did. And it came to pass when King Hezekiah heard it, these threats from the enemy. And he says that he rent his clothes, he humbled himself and covered himself with sackcloth. Look at this, and went to the house of the Lord. He went to his advisors and then said, I want you to take this to the man of God. I don't know about you. I get real excited about the fact that his preacher was Isaiah. Amen? And he was able to go to the prophet Isaiah. Look at verse 4. And it says that it may be the Lord God will hear all the words of Rabshake, whom the king of Assyria, his master, has sent. Look at this. To reproach the living God and will reprove the words which the Lord thy God hath heard, wherefore lift up thy prayer for the remnant that are left. Okay? And Hezekiah said unto them, Thus shall ye say to your master, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words which thou hast heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Now I want you to understand something. Because when we hear the news, you know what we say? How on earth could they have ever said that? And we go to other people. 
What do we do? We talk about it. Did you hear what the news said? Yeah, yeah, I can't believe it. Yeah. And we solve all the problems of the world, don't we? Now, we feel better about it. There's nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't garner God's attention. Good stress management. Amen. That's why I live out in the country in Maryland on a couple of acres because it's good stress management after coming off of Capitol Hill. Amen. I mean, that's a, boy, I tell you what, that, that place is a pressure cooker. But too many times we hear the news and we get all torn up inside. And we talk to people. I cannot believe. But you see what Hezekiah did? He went to the house of God. He went to the man of God and said, hey, would you pray for the very small remnant? See, that garners God's attention. Are you with me today? This is how we need to start moving. If we want to see God's attention brought and his answers to our prayers brought to our country, we need to connect the men of God to the people of God and the people of government. Hezekiah's preacher, Isaiah, he was a man of God for the hour. He had an upward relationship with God, an outward relationship with his country's leadership. May I submit to you this morning that this is the same way our nation began Preachers, pastors, the unsung heroes of the war for independence that gave those men of God the strength and the ability, the tenacity to do whatever they did, knowing that God was going to be there. Oh, they didn't just say we mutually pledged to each other our lives and our fortunes and our sacred honor. They said with firm reliance upon the protection of divine providence, we will mutually pledge our lives our fortunes, and our sacred honor. They said, we do this by God. Now follow me, because I'm almost done here. We see Hezekiah. We see those men coming before him, and he directing them to go to the man of God. We need more people praying for our leadership. We need more people praying for our leadership by name. Look at verse 14 of chapter 19 of 2 Kings. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord. There it is again. He spread it before the Lord. He didn't go and talk to his people and say, can you just, can you even imagine what they're wanting to do to us? He spread it before the Lord. He said, you understand, Lord, this is not just blasphemy against us. It's blasphemy against you. He said, you are the king of this nation. I'm just the figurehead. And that's what our founding fathers said when they signed the Declaration of Independence. We will have no more sovereign over us but Jehovah and no king but King Jesus. I don't know about you. That gets me going. Look at verse 15. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, God of Israel, which dwelleth between the cherubim, thou art the God, even thou alone. Look at this, of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven, thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, now, it says, look at this, Lord, bow down thine ear. And hear and open, Lord, thine eyes and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which hath sent him to reproach the living God. My, oh, my. He says, yes, I know that he's destroyed. 
other nations in their lands, cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone, therefore they have destroyed them now. Verse 19, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us. Follow this now. Listen on purpose here. Out of his hand, look at this, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord, even thou only. Wow. You know what he's saying? He's saying, Lord, deliver us out of the hand of the enemy for thy name's sake. You know how I've prayed for years? That's how I've prayed for years. And there's nothing wrong with this. Lord, would you please deliver us out of the hand of the enemy that's trying to destroy our country so that the gospel can continue to go forward, so that our children can grow up in freedom, so that we can continue to live in peace and prosperity. And all those things are good. But even above that, we need to be praying that the whole world will know that thou art the God. That's biblical. Folks, we're Baptists. We need to be biblicists. And look what Isaiah said in verse 20. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, that which thou hast prayed to me against Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, I have heard. I don't know about you. I like getting my prayers answered. You like getting your prayers answered? I love getting my prayers answered. I mean, I just love it. God says, I've heard. I've heard because you want to do this for my namesake. I told my wife not too long ago, I said, I need a couple of suits. I need a couple of new suits. She said, okay. And I guess I prayed about it. I can't remember actually getting on my knees and praying about it, but when I say something, I normally go to the Lord, and my wife, I'm sure, went to the Lord. And the next church we went to, a man walked up to my wife. Now, the two suits that I had, they weren't threadbare, but I was down to two suits because when you wear suits all the time, they wear out. The next church we went to, my wife was by the materials table, and a man walked up and said, does your husband need some new suits? Now, you couldn't tell by the suit I was wearing that I needed a new suit. But she said, yeah, he was just mentioning that to me the other day. So then he came up to me, he said, hey, um, your wife said you need some new suits. I said, yeah, I was just talking to her the other day about it. He said, I'm going to get you some new suits. I said, okay, <laughs> thank you. And, you know, I, he said, have you ever been measured for a suit? I said, yeah, I'm a missionary evangelist. I don't go there. I go to, you know, 70% off. That's where I, I go. He said, well, I'm going to take you tomorrow, and I'm going to take you to my clothiers, and I'm going to get you measured for some suits. I said, okay. <laughs> so sure enough, they took me in and he, manager, come on over here. He said, measure this guy from some suits. He said, there's materials right there. There's the linings right there. Pick out your material. Pick out your lining. I said, okay. He didn't get me two suits. He didn't get me four suits. He got me six suits. He got me three double-breasted, three single-breasted, and I mean, I was floored. I mean, they were measuring me. I kept on saying, Lord, please keep me humble. <laughs> because this really is good, you know. He said, he said uh, <clears throat> the, the guy said, do you want pick stitching? I said, what's that? He said, it's a special kind of stitching. I said, does it cost extra? 
He said, no. I said, yeah, I'd like some pick stitching. He said, do you want a ticket pocket? I said, what's a ticket pocket? He said, I don't know. I said, is it extra? I said, yeah. He said, do you want one? I said, yeah, put a, give me a ticket pocket. So I got a ticket pocket. I have no idea what's it for. I mean, maybe I'll get a ticket one day, put it in there. I don't know. He said, you want, do you want, your, you want your, uh, your, your pocket slanted or straight? I said, you can slant the pockets? He said, yes. I said, does it cost extra? He said, no. I said, slant them babies. <laughs> he said, now I want you to pick out the, the lining. So I even picked out the lining. This is one of the suits, right? right, right. See the ticket pocket? Look at the lining. What do you think? Huh? Say, what are you doing? I'm bragging on God. I'm bragging on God. I don't deserve this. Then he asked me, would you like some shirts? I said, yeah, I could use a couple of shirts. I went to go get some shirts. He said, no, no, we're going to measure you for some shirts. Aren't you going to measure me for some shirts? He said, yeah. He said, I want, I want him to get the Giza Egyptian cotton. Oh, yeah. They feel like pajamas. I mean, he said, do you want your initials monogrammed? I said, does it cost extra? He said, no. I said, yeah. I said, do them in white because I don't want to be that ostentatious, okay? So just put them in there in white. And so if I ever forget who I am, at least I know my initials. There they are right, right, right there. I mean, this is, this is an Egyptian cotton shirt. I mean, I like cufflinks. And so, I mean, for those... They gave my wife some direction. He said, now go get some ties and kerchiefs to match your husband's suits. And this is what he said, don't look at the price. You should have seen and heard my wife. It was kind of an insane laughter as she started going through this door. <laughs> I said, get out of her way, get out of her way. <laughs> She's gone crazy. She has an unlimited budget. She brought back shirts and kerchiefs. He said, not the kind to, to blow, the kind to show, okay? And so she brought back those, and they gave her some money to buy some dresses. And he said, you want some shoes? I said, oh, brother, stop it. Oh, well, maybe don't stop it. Okay. And so, yeah, I got some shoes. I got some Alan Inman shoes. Alan Inman say, they're not cheap, and then a belt. And, you know, it's fun to get your prayers answered. But I'll tell you this, a long time ago, I got real serious about my prayers, real serious about my prayer list, about praying for people, praying for others. The next day was a conference and I was speaking. I was the keynote speaker. He, this man came up to me. He said, see this? I said, yes, sir. He said, you see that price? I said, yes, sir. He said, that came into my office today completely unexpected. It's almost twice of what I paid for your suits and shirts and ties and shoes. And he said, you see, you can't outgive God. That's nothing compared to what God wants to do for us, for your church, for your leadership, for the leadership in Washington, D.C., and for our country. God wants to bless us. We have not because we ask not. Hey, I, I want to open my mouth wide 
I'm almost done. Are you with me today? Say amen. amen. The preaching pastors of yesteryear, they understood from the pulpit exactly what needed to be done because they studied his word. Now, I, I sit with people and go to meetings with people that are on our armed services committee. You know what they're saying? The chairman of the armed services committee says, our military is so dilapidated that it's embarrassing. That there are times where still today, even after what President Trump tried to do, that we have to go rob some parts from some museums to keep some of our planes flying. He gave me a book, a pretty thick book, about our military and its great need. We have a man in the White House that reportedly sold some of our emergency oil reserves to the Chinese that we need to defend our country. Now you just think in your mind what that is. What, what I'm saying is we need to understand something that Hezekiah understood in his prayer. He recognized our elected leadership then and now needs us to come alongside it and pray. And when I go, one of the greatest things that was ever said to me, Brother Harding, when you come, it's like a breath of fresh air because you come and you bring pastors with you. And we look more on biblical principle than we do on party platforms. I went, wow, that's wonderful because the Constitution, based upon the Bible. And so he <clears throat> responded in faith by going to the man of God and God heard him. Now look at this in verse 34 and I'm done. God says to Hezekiah through his prophet, for I will defend this city to save it. Look at this. For your children's sake, for your peace and prosperity, uh, for the fact that you are a light to all nations, no. God says, I will save it for mine own sake and for my, my servant David's sake. And I don't know about you. That's huge. And something else is amazing to me in verse 20. It says, that which thou hast prayed to me against Sennacherib. We can pray against the enemies of God. We should be praying against the enemies of God. But God says, I will save the city. I will defend the city. Hey, we need God to defend this city because the administration in the White House is not doing that. I've been to the wall. I've been right to the wall. And the day before, <clears throat> when I was there, the day before, seven Iranians were caught trying to come through, all on the terrorist watch list. So even though it's horrendous what's going on on the border as far as the drug trade and the, and the violent uh, gangs coming in and, and the sex trafficking and, and the fentanyl that's killing so many of American people, the terrorists that are coming through there are horrendous. I was told again, and I'm not trying to scare anybody, I'm just trying to motivate us to pray and ask God to defend us 
I, was, I have been told by some very high-ranking individuals that are in the know, we're under more threat right now than we were before 9-11. But we have a God that will defend us for his namesake. If we start praying, Lord, do this for thy namesake. Do this so the whole world will be able to see. Hey, like I said, if we get serious about prayer, if we get out of our comfort zone, I ask people all the time, how bad does it have to get for us to move to an old-fashioned altar and humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways so that God will hear and forgive and heal our land? How, how bad does it have to get? I'll guarantee you, if there was a 9-11 that happened today, everyone would be at the altar. I don't want to see that happen. I don't want to be praying out of desperation. I want to be praying out of determination right now. I want to be praying, Lord, for thy namesake, Lord, would you do something miraculous for this country so the whole world can say what happened? And we can say it wasn't what, it was who. So what about it today? Our country was given to us for liberty. Civil liberty, and even more important, the spiritual liberty that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. So may I just say, if there's one person here today that has never accepted the greatest gift offered to mankind, may you make today the day that you come and get that done. My parents were real good about Christmas. They tried to give us what we asked for, and my sister, she would lower me down the stairs to see if the gifts were there. We lived on the upstairs, and, and she lowered me down by my feet. And I'd say, oh, they're not there yet. She'd pull me back up. We have to go lay down for a few more minutes. Then we hear some rustling downstairs, and she'd lower me down again by my feet, and I'd look. How are you all doing? You like that pose? <laughs> Billy Sunday has nothing on me, amen? One time I said, they're there. She got so excited she let go. <laughs> all the way down to the bottom. I mean, I didn't care. I had a head start on her. <laughs> but there was never a time in my life, to my earliest recollection, that there wasn't a present there that had my name on it. I'd say, I don't want it. Oh, I ripped into it. My mother would say, save the paper. Well, she knew better than that with me. I, every Christmas when I was a kid, asked for a fire engine and a cowboy suit. I think I had an identity crisis. I think I wanted to be a cowboy firefighter. Okay? But, man, I'd open up those presents. It was wonderful. I'd even help other people open their presents. They didn't really like that. Okay? But uh, there was never a time that I walked away saying, well, that's my, no, I always opened it and took it to my possession. The greatest gift ever offered to mankind is wrapped up in love and sacrifice that the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross and shed his perfect blood for our tainted blood. I can still remember at the age of 21 sitting across the desk from that man of God at the Twin Oaks Baptist Church in Virginia after hours, and I said, I just don't know 
what the purpose of life is, he said, I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and accepting the gift of eternal life. I said, how? He said, first of all, you have to admit that you're a sinner. I said, oh, that's easy. I was 21. I was a wild young man. That's easy for me. He said, okay. Uh, and I said, but how can God ever send anyone to hell? He's a loving God. He said, he doesn't. The wages of your sin is death. You're in the right to die. But the gift of God is eternal life. I said, how do I get it? He said, just turn from your way to God's way. I said, I don't think I can clean up everything tonight. He said, you don't have to. Come exactly the way you are. I said, really? He said, yeah. I turned from my way, repentance to him. I said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I understand now from thy word, wages of my sin are going to send me to hell. But you sent your son to die on the cross to give me a gift that all I have to do is ask you for. And I'm doing it right now. I'm turning from my way to your way. And I want you to come into my heart and be the master of my life and the savior of my soul. I want to tell you, God did that. 21 years old. I'm 69 today. I've never one time ever regretted doing that. There's someone here today. You know. Oh, you may believe in Jesus Christ. That's not enough. You may believe there's a heaven to gain, a hell to shun. That's not enough. Because even the devils believe and tremble. It's acting upon your belief and asking God for the gift of eternal life. Oh, during this time of year where we commemorate and celebrate the birth of Christ, don't walk out of here without accepting that greatest gift that God gave us this country to proclaim. Hezekiah's position. He was surrounded. Hey, we were surrounded when we started this country. We may think we're surrounded again, but God is still on the throne. There is great hope for our country. He's not through yet. Tonight, I'll tell you why he's not through. If you don't stay home and you come back. It's God's day, by the way. It's not God's morning. So I hope there's as many people here tonight as there is right now. Because if you don't come, I'm going to ask your pastor where you live. <laughs> Just kidding. But I hope you come back tonight. I'm going to be speaking on something I'm very excited about called the sacred fire that birthed our nation. But right now, who are you? You know for sure that you're not going to heaven, but you're positive you don't want to go to hell. Could I pray for you this morning? As everyone closes your eyes and bows your head, could I just ask, who are you? Let me pray for you. No one's going to come and embarrass you, but if you would like me to pray for you right now, knowing for sure that you don't know that you have a home in heaven and you've never accepted that gift of eternal life one time in your life, would you lift up your hand right now and say, Brother Harney, pray for me. Here's my hand. Lift your hand up. Let me pray for you. Who are you? Where are you? Let me see that hand. Raise it nice and Nice and high. Where are you? Don't know for sure, Brother Harding. Would you pray for me? Remember me. Anyone like that here today? That would say, that's me, Brother Harding. That's, that's me. How many would say, I've done exactly what I know God says to do in the Bible, and I've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. Here's my hand. It's testimony. I know for sure I've accepted Jesus Christ. I know I'm going to heaven. Here's my hand. I know for sure that I'm saved. I know for sure. I know for sure. Amen. If you couldn't raise your hand then, would you raise it now? Let me pray for you. If you couldn't raise your hand then, 
you don't know that you're going to heaven, would you raise it now? One little boy right over here. I'll let his mom and dad deal with him. Two little boys. Anyone else? Anyone else? Okay. Now I want you to look right up here. A little different of an invitation today. And I want you to stand up right where you are. <clears throat> How many would say, Brother Harding, you know, I've been praying for our country and I've been praying for our children that they can grow up in liberty, but I've never really understood what Hezekiah and how Hezekiah prayed and garnered God's attention by saying, Lord, do this for thy namesake. Save our country, defend our nation for thy namesake so the whole world will know that thou art the God. So I've never really prayed that. I've never really understood that. You know, we need God's people to humble themselves. If we want the future to belong to us, God says, if my people, which are called by my name, that's you, shall humble themselves, that's coming, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I. Aren't you glad we serve a God that answers prayer? So I'm going to ask you right, right now, as we've had so many young people run into the face of certain death, could we not walk to an old-fashioned altar this morning and thank God for what we have? Would you come and say, I'm going to start praying like Hezekiah prayed. I'm going to come and I'm going to submit myself. I'm going to humble myself today. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone and I'm going to start praying, oh God, please defend our nation for thy name's sake. I want the whole world to know that you are still the God of the United States of America. And yes, there's some horrible things going on in our nation. But we can still see God work. And we know that you love our country. Oh God, please, by my coming today and submitting myself, that's humbling yourself, this is what it means to ask God to deliver a nation for his namesake. There are people right now fighting for this country. There are veterans right now from our previous wars that are shuffling off into eternity that have paid that price of separation from home and family. PTSD, loss of limbs, and many even the loss of life so that we could sit here today, stand here today in peace and prosperity should it not move us to action today? Heavenly Father, please have mercy on us. Oh God, we ask that you would help us, Lord, to glean from Hezekiah's position, knowing that he was surrounded and yet he didn't give up. He went to his preacher. He spread the bad news out before you and he garnered your answer to prayer, miraculous prayer. And as those Assyrians woke up that next morning, 185,000 of those have been, had been slain by one angel. You are still that same God that can do the miraculous force today in our country. We ask you, Lord, by thy grace and for thy glory, for the exaltation of thy name, do the unimaginable, the miraculous, by your intervention in our country, through and by the prayers of these, we thy people. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
All right, if you'll grab your hymn books, let's turn to 516. 516, sweet hour of prayer. Some of you may remember uh, about a month, month and a half ago, we we went through a series on, on the Bible mysteries, and we hit the mystery of iniquity and the mystery of Babylon. And uh, I said to you, as I said in the article, where's your focus? I'm not going to stand here and tell you that I, I knew there wasn't going to be a red wave. I was hoping there would be. But... I also know this, a lot of times we, we get our eyes off the Lord and onto other things, and we make those other things our hope. And um, I like something you said last night, uh, Dr. Harding, about um, God may have allowed that to happen because 
people start trusting in political systems and men, and they quit praying. Um, you know what? You know what I'm hopeful about here last night, this morning? We've still got prayer, folks. And you know what? That's really what we've had all along. And uh, we, we go back and forth on that. that. I know for me, anyways, it ebbs and flows. It ebbs and flows. He, he referenced 9-11, 9-11. Everybody's praying. Everybody's coming to church. Things get better. Everybody just sort of lets it go. And, folks, we've got prayer, and we've got a God that nothing is too hard for him. And it's really simple. If we really believe that about our God, and we do believe that our country needs help, and that's a no-brainer, then all we got to do is just start praying. Just start praying. It's the best thing you can do. It's the best thing you can do. People always say, what can I do? What can I do? Live a good Christian life for Jesus Christ and pray. Win souls to Christ. It's, it's a be the salt. I always think of Sodom and Gomorrah, and, and, and Abraham whittled God down to ten. I often wonder why he didn't try for five. <laughs> But he will down God down to ten. God said, if I can find ten righteous, I'll spare the place. I often wonder, as he looks at America, what's the number? And you know what? Can I be part of that remnant? Can I be part? Can you be? Of course we can. We can be part of that ten, whatever that number is. And uh, so, folks, it, it's, you know, it's not about the midterms or this or that. It's, it's, it's about him in the end. So keep your eyes on him and keep praying. Dr. Gipp, would you come on up here and close us in a word of prayer? I'm looking forward to tonight at 545 and, and uh, hearing some more. Amen. Prayer can do what God can. Prayer can do what God can. Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace and your very great kindness, Lord. We are as Brother Harding said, <clears throat> we are not wicked, we are desperately wicked. And yet you founded a nation here because people turned to you. This nation was supposed, supposed to be for you. God, help us. Um, I know we have guns. But they could take the guns, but they can't take the prayer. And prayer is our greatest weapon. Help us to be a people of prayer. Help us to be uh, earnest, God. Help us to to grab a hold of the hem of your garment and hang on until you save our country. Help us not to be preoccupied with enjoying life and fun and play, because that'll all go. That'll all go with the country. It is time, Father, for us to take hold of this country and try to do what we can and ask you, Father, please save us. We are not worth saving, not individually, not as a nation, but you are a God of mercy and you are a God of grace. You are something else. You really are amazing. Please save our country. Please save our land. It was a good country, God. It stood for you. It took the gospel around the world. I know what it is today. I know it's far from what it was. But dear God, Israel, that you chose Israel, but America chose you. God, help us, Lord, defend us. And, and as, as was prayed, God, confound not just our enemies, but yours. Help us live some semblance of a holy life, God, that will bring you glory. Because God, if this country would come back to you, you would get glory and, and worship 
And that is what it's for, to get glory to you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.